Joe. Okay. I got some websites because I know we're up against the deadline. It has a lot of great research for the proposal we're trying to write. We're? Mm-hmm. We're not trying to write anything, Mary. Did someone say I needed help? No, no, Did no. Did Susan say I needed help? No. We're, She's alive. We're part of a team. That's what teams do. I never said we were on a team. Oh, okay. I've got some reports here that will help us make our proposal to the investors. Us? What is this us and we stuff? We don't have a proposal to do. I do. Joe doesn't need your help, Sue. Why? I, I mean, know. we're all pitching in. I know. Hello? I mean, Joe can be reasonable, right? I can hear you. I, I mean, we're up against the deadline. Can you guys take you know this what? meeting out of my meet office? Kevin. i got to go help Please? with the presentation for tonight. Are you kidding me? All right. Um, I hope this website helped, Joe. Yeah, they probably will. Well, right. I see down there, Kevin. I'm on my way. Oh, good. Thanks. So, no. how about you two? Can you pitch in in about half an hour for the presentation for our new clients? Today? No, I can't, actually. The answer is no. I'm up against the deadline. Oh, um, I have a business card here. I've used this guy before, and he'd give us a great deal on the supplies we need for our project. We? We don't need any supplies. I need to get a project done, and I have people coming in here having meetings over my head. And I can't get it done. Uh, yeah. Shall we leave? You yeah. shall. You should. Go. Oh, how about that help? I'll, uh-huh. I'll meet you there. Okay. Joe, you're sitting on a gold mine there. I am sitting on a landmine, Susan. Thanks. <laughs> you know, if you're going to be late, you might want to get down to the break room and get some of that coffee. Oh, that's a good idea, but I can't. I drank all the coffee this morning trying to finish this project. No, actually, I just went and got us some more coffee, and Mary even bought us a bunch of new mugs. They were having a sale at Starbucks. And you should be good to go. Thanks. Good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. Doing, doing life together, that sketch was an illustration together into his church, people who've committed their lives to Christ, and he wants us to work together toward a mission, really. We've, he's called us to not just hang out, but to get something done, and that's where the challenge lies at times, is working together to get the, get the things done that God's laid on our plate to accomplish. And in this series, we've been looking at how the Lord launched the early church, what, what happened there, particularly in Acts 1 and 2, and then we've been pulling stories out of the rest of the book of Acts, because you see the adventure of following Christ there, and we've been looking at it to pull lessons out of it for ourselves about what it means to follow Christ, how, how he wants us to relate uh, what it is he wants us to be giving our time to, how we as a church should be investing ourselves. And so we're going to continue that today. And um, many times as, as, you, as you begin to do life in a group, there's a pull because sometimes you want to be left alone. Sometimes you don't want to be lonely. And there's this tension between that. And God wants us to continue to join together to accomplish what he's given us. So we're going to look at some characteristics to begin with of the early church out of a couple of passages in Acts and then pull from those some application for our own lives, what it means for us as we work together to accomplish what God's given us to do. So let's look at Acts 2, first of all, Acts 2, 41 through 47 says, those who accepted his message were baptized, 
and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. You remember, if you've been around or if you've read Acts 2 before, that uh, the Holy Spirit got the church started by uh, making his presence known, coming to live in the followers of Christ. And then they began to speak, and the people around heard them speaking in their own languages. It is incredible. People from all over the world were in Jerusalem. And so that grabbed people's, the people around, they got their attention, and so they began to ask some questions. And Peter stood up and delivered a message. And as a, in response to his message about how to follow Christ, who Christ was, how to follow him, 3,000 people were added to their number that day. And that, that's what God wants to keep happening in churches. He wants to keep including more and more people. He wants people to keep being added to their number, and that's what we're trying to do here. It says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So you can see more people were included all the time in the fellowship. Acts 4 gives another description. Let's look at that. Let's look at what it says there. 32 through 35, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. So you can see there's just a a genuine love and caring that grew up in this group of people. They they committed themselves to follow Christ, and then God brought them together. They, They shared life together. And there was a love that propelled people to give to share and and to to meet the needs of the people around them. So let's look at some characteristics based on these descriptions of what was going on. Uh, Here's the first characteristic of of the church back then and a characteristic that God wants today is that the church is inclusive. Uh, People were continually being included in the body. Um, This is what God works to do. This is what pleases him. This is what he wants to see happening. Um, our church as a whole and each of us as individuals uh, should do the same, keep including people, trying to be inclusive of people in the group that God's grown up here. Secondly, you notice in Acts 2 that they were devoted to some things. The word devoted means to be earnest or to persevere in. So the things they were devoted in, they, they take work, they take effort and um, intentionality to stay after these things here here are the things they were devoted to that they kept they kept staying after first of all the apostles teaching which became the new testament so they were they were committed to the scriptures 
They stayed after. They, 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 they were devoted. They were earnest toward them. They kept trying to soak them in to their hearts and minds. They, they tried to understand what God was saying to them. Another thing they were devoted to was the fellowship. Uh, the word in Greek that this was originally written in is koinonia, K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A. And it means basically sharing in common. That's the idea you get. They were, they were walking with God together, sharing life together. It, it, the, the word also carries the idea of a partnership, a par- participation. And sometimes that har- that's hard. Joe in the sketch we saw, you know, he's, he's like wanting to do his work. Leave him alone, let him do his work. And sometimes we, we get that way. So you have to devote yourself to the fellowship. It, it takes effort. Sharing life together is, is, is work. It's rewarding work, but it's, it's effort. It takes effort. Uh, another thing they devoted themselves was to, to worship. It's expressed in the breaking of bread and the meeting together. Um, prayer and witness. Those were the things that they devoted themselves. And it's these things that are listed here that we pull out of this description. These are the things that if you devote yourselves to them, they keep you moving forward in the Christian life because God God doesn't want you to just be stagnant. He doesn't want you to come to Christ and stay where you are, but he keeps working in you to 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 change you and to develop your character, to change your heart and mind so that you begin to grow more and more like him and you're you end up being more if you if you keep walking with him, moving forward in life you become more and more of a blessing to the people around you. That's what God wants. He has a bias toward growth and progress as we walk with him. Those are the things they're devoted to. They devoted themselves to those things, and that's actually what keep, keeps them moving and growing. It's the same for us. We devote ourselves to the Word of God, the Bible. We devote ourselves to the fellowship, worship, prayer, witness. These are the things that... Help us to grow on with God. And <clears throat> if you get stagnant, if you feel stagnant, you're not growing in your, in your walk with the Lord. Check these things out. Think it through. Have I pulled back in one of these areas? Am I lacking devotion to one of these things? Because if you pull away from these, then what tends to happen is you veer off the map and you go on a misadventure. You miss the adventure of following Christ. So these are the things that the Spirit empowers. The Holy Spirit who lives in us, he empowers us as we do these things. So the church was inclusive. It was devoted to specific things. Third characteristic is it's unified. Unity is very important to God. His Spirit is going to be working to bring us together in unity as a church, to be of one heart and one mind. If, if you want to cooperate with God, you do what you can to strengthen the unity of the body, and you do what you can to protect it against division. And God isn't ever behind division in, in a healthy group, a healthy church. So unity, being unified, is another characteristic. The fourth one is generosity or being generous. Interesting that the Greek word for generous, which this was all written in, Koinonia was the word for fellowship. Koinonikos is the word for generous in this passage. Very closely related to fellowship is this need to give 
and to be generous. A key to sharing life over the long haul is going to be sharing who you are and what you have with the group of people you're living life with. Um, we, we say that relationships require a give and take. And actually, the Bible's mindset is that relationships require give and receive. It's a little different. Because the moment that you focus on take, you're in trouble. I'm going to take this, this thing that I deserve, this treatment I deserve. You end up in trouble. So relationships really require give and receive. Uh, Peter, when Jesus was going to wash his feet, you can read the story in John 13, but Jesus washed the disciples' feet, and he was going around washing their feet. That's something that a servant of his day did. And they got to Peter, and Peter said, Lord, no, you shouldn't wash my feet. I should be washing yours. And he, he refused at first, and then Jesus said, well, you know, Peter, if, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you have no part in me. And that's the way it is. We, we need to give, but we also need to receive and allow people to serve us, allow people to give to us. And as we do that, it knits our hearts together, giving and being given to. So that's a very important characteristic of the, the early church. There are commands in the New Testament that we're going to look at that reflect these characteristics. And commands are, are given by God in the Scripture because they tell us to do what we don't naturally do. They, they tell us the opposite of our natural tendencies. And so God wants these characteristics that we've seen in the early church, he wants those to be a part of our church life today. He wants them to be a part of our lives today. So the first one is... Uh, the first thing we're going to look at is that devotion is key to staying connected to God and his people. We've got to be devoted to the word of God and to prayer that keeps us connected to God. And we need to stay committed and devoted to the fellowship if we're going to be committed, if we're going to be connected and continue to grow. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, we hit a stage in our spiritual development where we must be the ones who make the choice to invest in the church body. Uh, if you've walked with the Lord for a while, there's always this tendency to to stay away, to neglect the meeting together that we really need to bring the encouragement to keep growing that we, we should have. Um, but if you've walked with the Lord for a while, you've been in church for some time, it, and you take the mindset, you know what, nobody is paying attention to me, nobody notices me, I need, I need some stuff. And you set your heart on taking from the group. What is going to happen is you're going to get disconnected. The moment you begin to do that, you, you and I, after we begin to walk with God for a while, you need to move from a consumer mindset to a contributor mindset. That's what that's what this is saying here. Let us think about how to encourage. How can we make an investment in the people around us? 
Because if we, if we, if we set ourselves, after we've been around for a while, this, this is a common thing. What happens is, okay, I'm, I'm tired of giving. I'm tired of encouraging. I'm always the one that encourages. I'm always the one that has to do this. So I'm just going to sit here for a while and wait until somebody encourages me. And that turns into sort of a black hole most of the time because nobody can encourage enough. Nobody can give enough. Nobody can serve enough. And so it's a problem. But there's a tipping point as you walk with God to where you need to begin to set your heart to make the investment. If you refuse to do that, then you end up in trouble and you stagnate in your walk with the Lord. You really, you really end up struggling with that. So if you've been around a while, that's pro- that could be happening. That could be something that's happening with you. If you aren't the new person anymore, then you've committed to membership, you're a part of things then what you need to do is begin to think about how can I invest? How can I help? How can I pitch in? And you'll get connected again. Your heart will follow your investment. If you're new, connect at your own pace. We take your time. We're, we're not trying to push anyone to, to hop in and contribute, but we'd love you to join in as we set out to do the mission God has given us. Because as you contribute, then you get connected. That's the way to do it. Proverbs 11.25 also says, A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. If If you set your heart on refreshment, everybody needs to refresh me. Give me what I need. You end up drying up, shriveling up. But if you set your heart on refreshing others, that's when the refreshment comes. Second thing is that every effort should be made for unity. It says this in Ephesians 4, 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And thinking about the characteristics of the early church, this is a command that we need to give ourselves to. We need to work toward and make the effort toward unity. Being devoted to the fellowship, it's not easy. That, that's why we've got to persevere in it. That's why it says they devoted themselves to this, because it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, the normal way of things in a group is for them to unravel. It's um, why rock bands struggle. <laughs> Sorry, that just came to mind, you know, rock bands. You think, that group, man, they are great. They should stay together forever. But, you know, pride gets involved after a while, and it, they're not playing together anymore. It's very unusual for a group to stick together. Because the way of things on the earth is for groups to disintegrate. They unravel. So it's easy to peel off from a group for any number of reasons. Um, Probably the biggest reason is we get hurt. There are misunderstandings. There's disagreement. And we don't work through them. We just let those things lie. At CIV, we've committed to working through things, to being real with each other, to working through our problems and our struggles. If you leave a wound untreated, it festers and it causes all kinds of infection in your body. Same thing happens in the church. You leave wounds or problems or irritations or frustrations, you leave them to fester and it begins to work its way, that infection. It happens in families. It will happen in churches. It happens on sports teams. Whatever it is, if you leave things as they are, the the problems and the hurts, then the infection begins to really cause some some havoc 
in the group that you're a part of. The health of the body here at CIV is at stake. The health of each of us in our walk with God is at stake. So this is a very serious matter. You don't just stew over things and just let them work their way around in your heart and mind over and over again without dealing with them, without taking steps to deal with them. Stewing over things causes division because it tends to eke out, and you begin to talk to people who isn't really, you know, sometimes we talk to people who aren't a part of the problem. They aren't a part of the solution. They aren't really going to help us. That's called triangling, triangulating. You know, we don't want a triangle. Talking to someone, bringing them into the problem or into the irritation or into the frustration who, who isn't a part of a solution, that's called gossip in the New Testament. It's triangulating, triangling. We don't want to do that. If you have a problem, one way you can really work to protect the unity of the body, and, and God is serious about this, the unity of the body, the way you do that is you go to the person you have the problem with, or if you have a problem with CIV at large, and, and I don't know of a bunch of problems out there, don't, don't think that I'm aiming this, but the, the, the application from this passage is if you have a problem with CIV, talk to someone on staff about it. Talk to someone who can can work on it with you, who can explain it and develop some understanding about that. Otherwise, you're packing dynamite in the fellowship that could blow. We've got to deal with these things. God takes this very seriously. Avoiding division, not being a source of division. Titus 3.10 says, warn a divisive person once and then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. So, this is a serious matter. Unity. God takes it seriously. He wants it to be uh, a characteristic of the churches that follow him. So everyone should make the effort to maintain unity, and all should make the effort to protect the church from division as we work together in this. A final lesson is that we're to invest in others, and as we do, that knits hearts together. Investing in others knits hearts together. This lesson comes from a great example. Uh, you read about a guy in Acts that I think all of us would probably love to hang out with, Barnabas. Acts 4, 36, 37. This is, these are a couple sentences after the description, the second description I read earlier. It says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, they gave him a nickname, which means son of encouragement sold a field he, he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Barnabas was the kind of guy that made people want to hang out and stay connected. It, his name, the nickname they gave him was Son of Encouragement. So Barnabas' example is, first of all, he was an encourager. Uh, we all need a Barnabas in our lives to encourage us. I mean, I, I, I love... To, to have someone just really encourage me at the right time in my heart of hearts. But Barnabas was like glue that helped people stick to the body. He, he, he made people want to connect and stay connected. <clears throat> he was a u- unique man whom God used to get some crucial things going in, in the early church in Acts. And we're going to look at some of those things. First of all, first thing he did was he championed Saul. Saul became an important person. He became Paul. 
who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But uh, Saul, when you first read about him in the book of Acts, he was executing Christians. He was hunting them down, chasing them all over the known world at the time, hunting them down and trying to take them out because he was convinced that this Christian thing needed to be squashed, that this movement that was growing up, it needed to be dealt with, and the best way to do it is just to wipe them out, you know, a little genocide, never hurt anybody. So he, he, was, a, he was hunting Christians down, trying to kill them, and uh, he converted to Christ, a dramatic conversion on the road to Damascus. You can read about it in the first few chapters of Acts. He converted to Christ, and when he came back to Jerusalem, which was Christian headquarters, he came back to Jerusalem, and he wanted to hang out with the believers. But guess what? The believers weren't so sure they wanted to hang out with him. They, they, didn't, they didn't really believe that he had converted and committed his life to Christ. And so when he came back to Jerusalem, Barnabas is the one who went to bat for him. Acts, Acts 9, 26 and 27. It's not going to be on the screen, but it says, When he came to Jerusalem, Paul, or Saul at the time was his name, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. Could you blame him? They were, he was hunting them down a couple weeks earlier. Now he wants to just join together and hang out and have a good time. So they're not too sure about this. But verse 27, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Barnabas went to bat for him. Barnabas was an encourager. He, he, he believed the best about people. He helped people come together. And, and he brought, he brought Paul, Saul, who became Paul, together with the early Christians. At another key point, Barnabas recognized gifting and gave Saul an opportunity. Uh, <clears throat> what happened is... Believers in Jerusalem, the first believers, began to scatter all over the world. And so Christians, churches would start up in different places. And the leaders in Jerusalem sent Barnabas. That happened in Antioch. Some uh, movement started happening in Antioch. People started coming to Christ. So the leaders in Jerusalem sent Barnabas to check it out, to, to find out what's going on, see if there's any, if, if it was a valid thing that was going on there and to see if <clears throat> there was any guidance that needed to be given. So Barnabas, was, he was appointed the head guy to go check this out. So he went to Antioch, but he recognized Saul's ability from hearing him preach in Damascus. And so he went to Tarsus. Saul at this point had gone back home. He was from Tarsus. He went back home. He'd come to Christ, talked to the leaders in Jerusalem, went back home. Barnabas recognizing his gifting and ability, went and got him and gave him the opportunity to serve in the situation in Antioch. He was willing to let Paul use his gifts and gave him the opportunity to develop as a person. We need people like that. We need people that will let us get, have an opportunity to give it a go and develop our gifts. Barnabas wasn't focused on getting all the glory himself, but he was focused on doing the mission, and he knew Paul could help, or Saul could help. Then another thing that Barnabas did is he led the first church starting team. You can read about this in Acts 13, 1 through 3. 
Barnabas and Saul were set aside to be the first team to go out and start churches. And on this trip, it shifted. In, in verses 1 through 3, it's Barnabas and Saul. And then Saul's name gets changed to Paul. And for the rest of Acts, it's Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas was willing. He, he was focused on doing the mission, getting things accomplished. He recognized the gifting of Paul and that he needed to step back. He had the humility to let Paul shine. He, he, he was wired to be the quarterback, the point person. And so he let him do that. Another thing you see in Barnabas is he, he was patient with John Mark. You read about this in Acts 15, the, the last part of Acts 15. Barnabas, hung up, he hung in there with people. He, he didn't write them off. Um, he, he wanted to bring John Mark. They were going to do a second mission trip, going back and finding out how the churches were doing and trying to help other people come to Christ as well. And so uh, on the second mission trip, Barnabas wanted to bring the same team, and he wanted to bring John Mark along. But Paul disagreed because John Mark had bailed on them in Pamphylia. And so Paul's like, I, I don't think that's a good idea. We need someone who will carry their own weight, someone we can trust, someone we can count on. Barnabas didn't give up on him. And so they disagreed, and it was at this point Paul found another teammate, and Barnabas took John Mark, and the, the teams multiplied into two, one into two at that point. Um, a lesson I draw from this whole disagreement and struggle is that we need different kinds of people in our life. Uh, we, we can't just hang out with Barnabas all day long. Um, I, I, I like Barnabas. I mean, I, I like people who support me, encourage me. Um, but, but we also need people like Paul who will challenge us to get moving. And we don't want to give up on people and, and we want to hang around people who encourage us, but we also don't want to pull away from people who challenge us and they challenge our thinking. Um, sometimes we do that. You know what? I need a hug, not a shove. So if you don't give me a hug, forget you. And, and we look for people who support our way of thinking and our way of living, and we go on like that, and we're in trouble because we're never challenged to change. We need a Barnabas and we need a Saul. We need people who will challenge us. It's interesting, later on, Paul asked John Mark to, to, to join him again. So he didn't give up on him either. But he was just, you know, thinking, hey, we need people that are going to carry their weight on this trip. So we need both kinds. You know, maybe we need a shove. We don't always need a hug. Oh, we like a hug. We like the encouragement. We don't always need it so much. Sometimes we need a shove. As you, as you live in the fellowship, if you'll devote yourself, yourself to stay connected, God is going to give you what you need if you'll trust him. Because sometimes you walk into a group, you think, man, I really need some encouragement right here, and you don't get it. And it feels like you just got slugged in the jaw. But you know what? If you'll go to God and say, God... I know you love me, you accept me just like you are, you want me to grow, you want me to change. Will you give me what I need? Will you help me work through this? God is going to give you the people you need. He's going to give you exactly what you need. But you've got to trust him. 
You can't, you can't trust the group to meet your needs. And in the group, God brings the Barnabas along at the right time. He brings the Paul along. Don't take offense when the Paul challenges you. Don't do that. God will give you what you need if you trust him in all of this. Here are some next steps on your connection card. At the bottom of the outline, if you've been using that, uh, the, the listening guide, they're, they're there. And also on the connection card on the back of it, there's some next steps that you could take in response to hearing the message this morning. Uh, one of those, you may want to memorize Hebrews 10.25. We don't want to neglect meeting together, but try to encourage each other. We've got to be intentional about fellowship or we drift. We drift away from the group or we drift in our walk with God. The fellowship, connecting with a group of people who are serious about following God, that will encourage you to grow in him. Second step you may want to take is ask God to help me be inclusive. You know, how, how God can I be more? How can I be a Barnabas kind of person to the people around me? How can I include as many people as, as would please you? Um, another step would be to devote myself to the fellowship of CIV, to serve or join a group, um, maybe commit to membership if you're a new person. Uh, how can I devote myself? To, to the fellowship here. Or if you've been around and you're starting to pull away, maybe God wants you to do that. Another step would be to work through a concern of mine in the right way. To say right now, I'm not going to triangle, I'm not going to stew, but I'm going to deal with it once and for all. There's some things on my heart that I need to work through and deal with. Go to the person who can help. If it's a problem with CIV, go to a staff person. Let us know on the connection card. We'd love to know. Uh, that you want to talk to a staff person. Um, next step, also, the final one could be, or there may be others that you've thought of, I'm going to make an investment in someone at CIV this week, following the example of Barnes. So I'm going to invest. I'm going to encourage. I'm going to serve. I'm going to give. I'm going to do whatever I can to, to bless the people around me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in your word that really does set us free from ourselves, from bondage to the enemy and bondage to our old ways. God, you, you lay out commands so that we would know your heart for us. We would know uh, how to break free and get away from our old natural ways. So, God, I pray that you give us the power to connect, to join in the fellowship, to work together to accomplish your mission and purpose for our lives, Father. We, we ask for your help in this. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.